Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Build a Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build a Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Build-A-Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build-A-Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. Don't miss the Contractors Coalition Summit. You can go to ContractorsCoalitionSummit.com and join us in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th. This is going to be an incredible event. Again, for all of you builders and designers looking to take your business to the next level to learn about all things, systems, organization, pricing, social media, marketing, how to be a better business owner, all the things that we wish we knew as early business owners many years ago. We're going to speak about that. Also give you a Dropbox with all the content, including contracts and other documents that we're using, as well as KPIs, key performance indicators. So don't miss it. It's a huge opportunity. Some amazing vendors will be there as well that you can network with. So again, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th, 2024 in Minneapolis. Go to ContractorsCoalitionSummit.com. When they're going to see one of our houses up in Pine and we put that air barrier in there, we tell them, like, this house has it. Talk to the homeowner. Those people will sell it way more than that I could. One guy, he shows this gas bill. He compares this to his neighbors. And it's like a badge of honor for him that his gas bills are lower than any of his neighbors in the neighborhood. Now, welcome to the podcast today. This is long overdue, Dan, welcome. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to have Dan, guys. He's the owner of Summit Ridge Custom Homes and we've been connected for a while and actually some of our former guests have been referred by Dan. So. It's his turn to step up behind the mic. Yeah, I'm pretty nervous about it. It's much easier recommending people to be on your show. Uh, I know a lot of awesome builders, so that was that's pretty fun to do that. But, and I'm a huge fan. This is like one of my favorite podcasts. You're one of my favorite guys that I've, I've only met a few times, but like you totally lived up to it. And uh, it's awesome to be here. I'm really excited. And thanks, thanks, really, thank you for having me. This is super cool. So. Well, well, Dan, I'll say that it's pretty, it, for me, it's exciting to have you on. And the reason being is I'm sure we'll get into something that Dan does that I, I know we'll get into on the episode is you're, you're super big on energy efficiency. I know that's a standard of what you do. I, I, we met at the EBA conference. And so maybe we start there. Just why, why the passion for net zero energy efficiency, especially trying to build that in a market where there is some client demand, but the huge amount of client demand hasn't hit it yet. Well, I, I think that's a good question. I mean, why is because it's just, we're just uh, passionate about it, right? Like you, you have to, it's got to start somewhere. So we're, we've got some people here that are really big into it. I didn't even know about EBA until one of my employees, you know, he, he brought it to me and he was like, we need to get this, you know, in our company, we need to have training for it. And so it kind of started from there. We looked into it and, and we were 
like, well, even if we're just getting into it, this is going to make us better. And it, it, then you can go so deep there, right? Like I, like you said, you were there. And so, you know, like the, you know, from the very uh, beginning stages of just trying to build a high performance net zero home, they're going to have everything you need to know. And so and then you just, you just keep getting into it. So I, I, I think that, you know, we just want to build a better house. I've lived in houses that were drafty, that my energy bills were too high, that, um, you know, I, I, I was concerned about, do we have fresh air for our, for my family? Do we have, you know, is our water clean? And so I think that that's where it starts. And then you're like, well, now we build custom homes. This needs to be the standard, uh, where we build, we're right next to Boulder, like, you know, Boulder County is like really, really hard and stickler. Like we could, you couldn't go over there unless you were an expert in this field. And in the city of Denver is kind of the same way. Like they're already, you know, making codes to where they're not going to have gas lines to houses. And so where we are, we're right in the middle of that. We're golden, but we're, so we're Jefferson County. And so our, our codes are not that they're, they're strict, right? Every, you know, the codes are, are pretty good, but we want to keep upping our game in building a better house for our clients. And so I think it just starts there. And then once you start going down that rabbit hole, then, you know, like, like, you know, like you could be building the house for Mark Law Labor's eh? and it's uh, totally net zero. So we're just trying to be net zero ready. So we're trying to get it airtight, you know, you know, all of the things that go in, into uh, high performance building but we're not necessarily forcing people to do solar panels yet. Like you can't, you can't do everything that you want to do, but, but when they come to us, a lot of our clients, they won't even know, they don't know what they don't know. That's our job as builders. And every aspect of this is to bring it to the table to what, what can you do to make this better? So let me ask you this, Dan, if I'm not mistaken, is this a standard? Like you're every, every client that's going to operate with some ridge is going to be high performance building. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, we, we build a one-off house every time. So it's a different design. It's a different location. So everything is, is, you know, it's, it's hard to say that we're, we're not in a neighborhood and we can just put these packages together. We're, we've got to come up with the standard of how we build the house and then present that to the client and then how far they take it, um, you know, can vary for sure. But, but we have our, like our standard, our summit Ridge, um, I guess we want to call it like, you know, it's our product. So, so these basics that we do for insulation, for air barriers, for what, you know, for, uh, in, you know, for having a house that's energy star or, um, sorry, we have, um, like a, a company called energy logic. They come rate all of our houses, a third party rater from the design phase. So then we can tell this client, like, this is your hers rating. This is, this, this is what we're going to build it to like uh, sub, you know, sub fifties, hopefully in the forties. And then, and then you're, you know, to get it to net zero completely you have to put solar on it, which could be, you know, kind of an upgrade. They can do that down the road, but it'll be all ready for them. So if I'm coming to you and I'm one of your customers, right? And not that I'm making you do a role play, but essentially maybe educate the audience a little bit, Dan, that, you know, I'm coming to you, I'm a client that, Hey, I've loved your work, Dan. I love what Summer Ridge is doing. You guys have some amazing designs, which you do. You have some incredible product out there. Uh, I don't know much about building science kind of, where would you educate? Where are maybe some four or five key spots in the home that you're going to speak about that would be a standard that you're offering or differentiating you from, you know, some of your competitors as far as the envelopes concerned? Well, I guess it's going to 
it, I guess that would be a pretty standard client, right? You're not going to know. Like, yeah. Maybe that. It's, so we're going to we're going to explain to you. Show, you know, we're going to show you our air seal detail around the perimeter of the house. Like we're going to do this, you know, liquid flash, or we're going to we're going to tape up the bottom between your foundation and your uh, you know your sheathing, and then we're going to just take that through the whole framing stage. Like every we're going to air seal everything. It, like if they are drilling a hole through a top plate, you know that's going to be sealed up. We've put we've even kind of taken it to the next step where we put a uh, three quarter inch top plate on top of our walls so that we can drywall to that. Um, but, but then, you know, then it's going to come down to when we're, when you're going through the drywall stage and you're, uh, you've got, um, you know, the air sealing through there. And then when we're after drywall, we'll do arrow barrier. Okay. So we're going to have those guys come in with that. If you, I'm sure you know, the arrow barrier, but we're going to, it's like an insulation line item for all of our projects. They're going to come through, they're going to do the liquid latex and they're going to, we're going to pressurize the house. We're going to you know, do our blower door at drywall. So we're going to know what they, what the, um, the air exchange is at that phase. Um, and then, I mean, obviously we're in our insulation package. We upgrade that as well. Uh, we don't just do code in, in, in insulation packages and those things are very easy to sell at the at the beginning of the phase when you're going through with a client and you're showing them what your your line items are you put it there you explain it to them and they're like and you get them excited about it and it's it's you know it's it's an upgrade but it's it's on the it's on the line that's like this is part of the part of the house not an option um and so you know i guess that and then we're going to get you solar ready we're going to be explaining to you um you know your panel and you know before we were doing a lot of generators around here so now we're like trying to you know sell them to you know let's instead of doing that let's get you solar ready so when when we're done you can get those power walls things like that up. so 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 with the you know as you're walking through the aero barrier maybe explain that a little bit for those that don't understand what aero barrier aero barrier is Okay. Well, air barriers, uh, you know, it's a, it's a easy way to explain it is it's a, like a liquid latex. So they're going to come in with misters in the house and, uh, they're going to, they're going to put their blower door on and you're going to try to put all the pressure, blow it out of the house. Okay. So when these misters are in, if you walked around the outside and if you don't have your, uh, we've seen it before where maybe our exterior door wasn't sealed up tight and it was installed, installed it, the stuff's blowing out the bottom of the door. And so you can, <laughs> yeah. you can literally see it. Right. So I, I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then if there's any sort of penetrations that maybe we missed, maybe an electrician or somebody drilled a hole through the exterior wall, if you didn't see that, it's going to seal those areas up. I really like it around all the outlets and the windows and any sort of like can light, um, things like that. They're going to seal, it's, it seals everything up. So when you're, um, on our code is three air exchanges per hour ACH 50. We're going to get this down to under one. Like that's our, that's our standard. When the air guys show up, they know that like, if we get this under one, like we're good. And then kind of client dependent for it to keep going because you just got to keep pumping it in there keep you know get that under like you know like 0.5 or something but but we're uh you know when you get your if you have a homeowner who's maybe watched a rising or video or something like that who's who's a little educated then they're like you know keep pumping it in there let's, <laughs> let's keep going but but even if we didn't have a client that didn't even know anything about it like we're going to get it to one um air exchange per hour so that that means we have our house is sealed up tight right so the, the, what goes along with that is then you're putting like an erv you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have to let that house breathe some way so so an, an erv would be would go along with that that's in our ventilation package of the house and that is perfect for for ebud for all those other things because now we can filter this fresh air that's coming into the house and I, I love that part of it too. When you're when you're taking them in your back room and you're showing them this ERV and you're pulling out a you know filter that's four or five inches thick and you're showing them like this is how I'm proving that we're gonna have clean air in your house. That's that's a, another awesome show. 
Oh, it's a huge sales pitch. And it's interesting because when you think about just to put that in context, when you're under one or 0.5, I mean, that's incredible results, right? And aerial barrier is doing a great job selling the home. And, you know, you have the aspect of, you know, air infiltration, right? Air ventilation and air loss. That's a big part. I know another part is, you know, you mentioned this with the outlet side, but, you know, even when you're looking at the WRB, the weather resistance barrier, you know, as you have trades coming later and punch holes in your exterior envelope. And, you know, there's a lot of risk we're managing as builders. And so from your side, Dan, I, you know, I'm sure you get it like every builder. I, most builders I speak with say, well, you know, I want to take my company to the next level. I want to build energy efficiency, but they're kind of at a sticking point where it's like, how do you show the value to the customer? Because many customers like, like many of them, right? They're looking at investment. They're looking at ROI. They're looking at if I have to sell the home, is it a good investment? And so you know, square foot and pricing and, you know, none of us really bid homes, at least in the custom world by square foot, right? It's all, there's, there's so many variables that go into the house. How are you presenting the value to your customers to say, when they come in and say, Dan, how much is it per square foot? Why is this builder here? And you're like, well, we're doing aero barrier. It's not a huge expense, but there is an expense, right? And, you know, you're going through these different steps. How do you kind of ease the client when you're working through that tough budget conversation, which I imagine is happening early on. Yeah, every budget conversation is pretty tough. So, you know, when you're adding to things like that, you have to be pretty passionate about it. You have to believe in it and you have to leave no room for, for, um, value engineering. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's not a place that we value engineer, right? It's just like, we don't not like, you know, the, the air ceiling detail around your foundation, like these are standards. Um, I think that it's easy because if you show them maybe, maybe like everybody wants to see references, right? So the projects that we have done like that, like, that, like when they're going to see, you know, one of our houses up in pine and we put that air barrier in there, we tell them like this house has it talk to the homeowner, like, cause those, those people will sell it way more than that i could right they live it one guy he shows his uh his um ex, his excel like gas bill you know and he's like he compares this to his neighbors and and he like you know it's like a badge of honor for him that his gas bills are lower than any of his neighbors in that in the neighborhood and that that is uh that's always hard because we built like four houses in the neighborhood too, but we, <laughs> I don't think I've heard you say it too. Like we're trying to get better and better every time. And so these are the things we learned and then, and, um, it, it, so you, um, you know, I guess, I guess you sell it that way. You sell it that this is how we do it. And this is going to make your house better for the long run. And, and it's not just air barrier. It's, it's, it's the insulation package. It's that, you know, all of the other, you know, uh, all the other techniques that we do to try to air seal the house up better. Um, and so I guess that's, I guess that's part of it. I do, I have a little, you know, it's hard to tell people what you're going to do. So when we're in our office, we're showing them, like I'm showing them, I like the zip, I like the zip sheathing. I like the Vantix up floor. So when you don't, we can't say that that means nothing to somebody who's never built before. So you have to have samples of that. And so we have a photo album that we show them, uh, the aero barrier, like I have videos on our, you know, on our conference TV that we'll, we'll show them what it's like. So, um, I guess that's kind of how you sell it. Well, here's why I love that, Dan, is when you, the best analogy for me is that when you think about going and purchasing a new vehicle, right? It, it, it's fairly easy if the vehicle's on the lot, it's at the dealership, and you're going to look at these different brands, right? And you're comparing vehicles, you're sitting in it, you, you can actually look and inspect the finishes, you know, you can take it for a test drive. That doesn't happen with building custom moments. So the only analogy is, that let's say you're going to Mercedes, and then you're at Ford, and then 
you know, you're at Lexus or whatever, and they're giving you a cut sheet, you know, just a piece of paper with, Hey, here's all of our options, right? As we run through this, most of the stuff, like what, what's the differentiator, right? What's the separator? And as a builder, it's really hard for clients to come in and you have thousands upon thousands of items in this house. And what really separates you and for you saying, okay, on this piece of paper, I can write down, but your home's not built yet. We can write down all the options and we can talk about net zero and building efficiency and everything we're doing. But now you're pulling out actual, here's a video on aerial barrier, right? Here's the zip walls, as you mentioned, here's the Avantech, right? It's clients can now see, and it probably, I, I would imagine gives them a much better understanding and appreciation for what you're selling and the value that you're bringing. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good way too to get a client get you more time in front of a client because they're obviously it's the hiring process. So if I can, if I can have an excuse to go take them to a job site and show off some of these products and what we're doing, then it gives me another hour around them to try to make sure that we're all a good fit for each other as well. So that, um, you know, works both ways too. So what's interesting is you mentioned that you had a passion for this. You got involved. Of course, you're in a, a market demographic between Boulder and Denver there that, you are going to have clients that are passionate about this as well, which does align with you. How, how did the EBA conference come in? How has that benefited just that continued education to really understand the complexity of doing high performance building? Well, I think that there's a, uh, I think part of it is having, you know, having employees that also are interested and you want to keep them engaged and you want to keep them growing, right? I can't learn everything as the owner. Like I'm trying to go to those type of things, but you know, you, you have to delegate some of this stuff off. And I have a couple employees that are just love it. Like they, like I told, um, our first year that we went, when you were there at Scottsdale, um, I told one of my guys, our challenge was like, I want to win an award and even next year, we'll come back. If you win this, if we win an award, we're already doing all of this stuff. Okay. Like in, in part of this too, is, is like, you know, as a company, you're doing all these things and you have to like, make sure that it works before you start advertising the world that you're the most amazing, the energy efficient builder. And we're a young company, so we're trying to dial in our process. And, and, we, and we've been we've been doing it, but we haven't proven it. We haven't like we're not out there on the street saying like, "Look at us, like we we're amazing." So so going to these conferences, challenging your my employees that like we'll we'll come back because it was in um, Salt Lake this or last year, twenty twenty three, and so um, we had this house that had every like like I was telling you about. We did all of these all of these uh, techniques to get it air sealed and and and. Uh, anyway, so we applied for a housing innovation award for the Department of Energy Housing Innovation Award for EPA, and we they we won. We won one of the awards, and so we won it based based mostly based off of we took an original plan that was not designed to be a high performance. Okay, so so everybody has these, right? Everybody's got a plan that the architect drew, and nobody was thinking about trying to have exterior insulation or you know any of these any any of these items. And so we we did it. We put exterior insulation around it. We we got our aero barrier, you know, on our, our blower door test, to, you know, 0.5 air change per hour. We you know did all the other different air sealing techniques. We had you know water filters. We had. Um, express solar ready we i mean everything right so so we win the award so that was part of of like so now my team's like all right we get to go we get to go again and so you go there and then you get them there for three days taking all different types of classes and and you're just trying to compound that knowledge of and, and then opening your mind to like 
new things. If you go to these classes there and it is, it just blows your mind if the stuff you're not even thinking about that you got to worry about for next year. And so even one of the guys, cause you know, the next phase for us is like maybe a carbon footprint. Like we're not really, you know, on, on that yet. Right. Like we, we know, you know, you go there, you start taking a class on carbon footprint and you're like, you know, now we have um, energy logic doing, uh, tests on our projects now to figure out what our carbon footprint is so then we can try to figure out if we're getting better in the future right so so we're not we're like we're not trying anything on it we're just trying to figure out where we're at and then um and so you go to those conferences and you learn more and then you learn you meet new people you, we meet people that are uh, maybe even have construction loan programs for houses like this so they can get better rates if they can prove that you have certain you meet certain criteria you, i didn't even know that was that existed until last year uh you go to uh you know you go to lots of, you know a lot of the classes to keep trying to make you, you better and then and then that also gives you a way to make it to where you have a company that people that work for you know that they're going to grow and that they can they could do something other than just the grind of building the house every day because we know like project management jobs are pretty tough and it's, it's, you know, they, every day there's a new battle. And so it's like, you want to have something that we're all looking forward to and getting better, I guess. So I like that part of it a lot. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. Our clients have worked with the Sub-Zero Wolf and Co. showroom Scottsdale on nearly every project. They make the process so easy for us and our customers with either an in-person or virtual consultation. They have dedicated consultants to answer questions, provide helpful solutions, and offer advice and assistance. When you are ready to embark on your kitchen journey, reach out to the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom, Scottsdale, who will tailor an immersive, rewarding experience just for you in their stunning showroom. Gather ideas, ask questions, and imagine how your dream kitchen might come to life. All catered to you in a low-pressure and highly inspiring environment. View an array of options and see what they look like in full-size kitchen vignettes. And attend a chef-led demonstration to see and taste these appliances in action. Maybe speak to this part because I, I, I'm like you. I find so much value in the relationship with our manufacturers and vendors, suppliers. You gave the one example of just meeting a mortgage lender, right, at the EBA conference. How has that relationship with your vendor partners and suppliers made a difference just not only on the product and, um, you know, that you're putting out in the market and building, but also that relationship for maybe supply chain or cost and, you know, all the different continuing education items for you and your team? 
Yeah, I think that's a that, that, that part of it I didn't think was going to happen, right? You go there, just like the build show, like you go there and there's like all these booths, but they're all focused on rain. Like, you know, there was a rain street for stucco. There was, there was uh, you know, these water filtration companies. There's SIPs companies, ICF companies, you know, all these advanced building technique companies there. And then they get your info, you get to meet them face to face and you get to build these relationships. And then we come back and a lot of them are, you know, they're the salespeople will be in our market at a certain point they're coming they're you know come to our office meet our team show us their products and then that like i said before like that's part of our job as as builders is to know what else is out there if you just build the same way all the time you're never going to be able to get a better product and be ready you know be prepared for the future so so that's been huge i don't know if like you know maybe not you know, better pricing because I went to the Neba, but I know who to call if I, if I want sips and they know I'm a real, a real builder who's going, who's interested in actually using it. They're going to bid it faster. They're going to, they're going to be, um, they're going to make it easier on us so that we can try, try new products. So, and actually we did, we did a whole sips, um, project or whole sips roof project from one of the companies that was down there at the Eva conference. We ordered it through them and, and now we, you know, we have that relationship. Yeah, which is huge. And, and, and also, I, I think many builders, I don't say want to say many, I think some business owners in every field, you know, there's kind of this fine line where, I, you know, I don't know if it's a sense of fear in the sense that, hey, if I train my employees too much, the continuing education, send them on this, they're going to have such a skill set that they'll leave me. I'm investing money in them and their continuing education and what happens when they leave, right? And I'm picking up the pieces. And so maybe speak to just the culture and, and investing in your employees and what that payback is to you and how Summit Ridge has grown over the years? Well, I, th- I think it's a great question. I've actually been, you know, a part of that too. I think just as an employee, people worried about that, but what, what can you do? You want to hire, I, I want to hire people that want to be builders. So whether they are going to be able to do that right away or if i get them i can train them up for five ten years they're going to be a better employee while they're here if i know that they actually want that um, and I, I we haven't had to like uh cross that bridge yet if somebody's you know actually went out on their own but i i've talked to a few of them i support that i think that if they do i would be there to support them maybe you know one way or another you know i think my dream would be that you know maybe there's summer ridge in a different town um then we could help that because the people that work here are, are amazing and i think that i think the world of them couldn't do it without them so so i am not afraid at all of, of trying to get these guys better every day um they're you know guys and gals they're they're um you know i i don't necessarily think that i could actually do what i do at capacity forever so if that point comes that i, I think that this is a, a place where we could grow together um and if not if they go out around then I, you know I, I i i would know that i at least had the best possible employee for the time i had because you know and that's all that's what makes us who we are right is the people that work with us we can't do everything so so uh yeah i i don't know i i'm not worried about that so how does the structure look now as you look at your employees and you know team members there with uh with the culture you have how has that grown changed you know how have you kind of worked through that growth well i think that you know when you're new and you're hiring people, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, you know, you're, you're, you don't have a, a big company that you can promise all of these, you know, these, uh, you know, benefits, right? So you're just trying to get people that are 
passionate in. And um, so I think that we've made a couple hires that maybe that didn't work out, but we've also hit some home runs. And as that is, um, you know, gone on, I mean, I think that that you, you learn what makes people tick. You learn how to um, try to give them a, a you know, description. You, you kind of grow through the whole process, the whole company, right? Like you're growing with your employee, but you're also figuring out work descriptions of work. At first, it's like, you're going to do everything. And then now when we hire somebody, it's like, you're going to do this and you're going <laughs> to do that. And, and so, you know, I think that there's some people who've been here, you know, a couple of guys have been here the whole time and they've, they've kind of done everything. And now we uh, are growing together on making this a company where they can't, they know what they're supposed to do. They know their roles and then they can grow into different into different roles um, if they choose to so what right now as you look at your company and growth and um you know getting into high performance what what's the biggest challenge you're dealing with right now well our biggest challenge that we're dealing with right now is um is probably um, i guess it's load management like like how many how many projects can we have? How many projects do we need to have? How many employees can I handle and manage? And then how many, you know, projects can I, how many homeowners can I manage? Because every project is so different. Like you, you need, as you're growing, you're doing smaller projects and then you, then you get like a, a big one, right? Well, the big one needs way more attention. So you can't use that. Um, the, the, the plan that we had where everybody can do two projects doesn't work out when one of them is three times bigger than all of them. Right. So, so I think load management for, for myself or for my employees and, and for my life, my happiness is my biggest challenge other than like everything's like, you know, it's easy to say budgets or trade partners or stuff like that. Like that, those are just the things that we'll always deal with, whether things are going great or not, I, I assume, because it's always been, you know, you know, a challenge. So my, my issue today is, is load, load management is what I think. It's interesting. I mean, that, as you were speaking about load management, I think that's common for many of us. I, I know from our side, we spend a lot of time going through our capacity report. That's something we built to really understand really the duration of projects, when they're finishing, who's running what, it kind of helps us understand where people are allotted and their time commitments to it. And what's tough is I think us as employers have to remember what it was like being an employee. The employers are continuing, you know, there's a lot of balls in there that we're juggling. We're throwing more as employers until, you know, our team members start dropping them. And then we're like, okay, well, let's, let's find a solution for that. And, and in many cases it's too late, right? Maybe there's burnout, as you mentioned, the, the load management, and then you have a key employee that leaves because they're just like, hey, I didn't get help and I've been asking for it in subtle ways. I didn't get it. There was no support. And I'm, and, and then you lose a key person. And so a lot of it's just preventive maintenance as an owner trying to figure out, okay, are we ahead of the game? Is everyone feel supported? Is their work-life balance somewhat you know, regular and as healthy as can be? Um, how do you look at just backlog? Because there's a fine balance for you in construction that you have these long durations of projects. They're long in pre-construction design especially with you incorporating high performance. And now you're trying to factor, do I have enough work? Do I have too much work? You know, when do I hire? When's the right time to hire? I mean, there's a lot of things you're juggling just as you see above, you know, the, the forest there. So we just, we, now that we know the type of company we want to have and the size of company, it's easier. Okay. Because now I don't need to, to take on a job because I want to grow. I don't want to grow anymore where the size of the company that we want. So now it's, now it's maintaining that, um, it is, you know, it's being honest with myself on how long these projects take too, because I, I see, I think everything's going to be done so much faster than it 
games. And so to be able to talk to the team and to be able to look at those, those schedules and, and when we get a new lead and a new, a new contract, just being very honest, like we cannot start this until May or June or July, whatever it is. And then, but don't worry because we've got six to eight months of pre-planning. <laughs> you know, you've got to get through the building permit. You've got to get your drawings finished. We've got to get all of our selections made. And so it's some of that it's pretty easy because they just naturally lead themselves into, um, you know, falling in line. But the hard part is, is when somebody calls you with an amazing project and they're like, you know, we are builders, something happened. We want to start next month. Saying no to that is something I've struggled with for this whole entire time. But now we're done with that. Like I've, I, I taught, I have a leadership team here, like whenever something like that happens, it's like, okay, hey, I, what I found is that I could do a really great job if I could start that job. Like I could personally get that job going in two months if they had everything dialed in. Right. But, but what happens is you lose those six to eight months either now or at some point when the project managers take over and there's things, there's scope gap or there's things that we haven't actually done in the process in the proper order. And so just being honest with the, with the new, with the new uh, clients that, you know, we're, this is when we can start. Yes, you're not going to be just sitting on the back burner and nothing's going to happen because we have so much pre-planning and pre-construction to do. Um, but letting these things fall in line is is the goal for 2024. How, how does that look? I mean, what made you put together a leadership team? What does it look like? How often do you meet? You know, topics, agenda points, you know, discussion items? Oh, well, I, I think it was probably listening to a podcast like this or joining, you know, the Builder 20 group or just like listening um, to people who've done this. And and so the, the, they kind of just started with, you know, t- you know, two of my guys that have been here the longest. And one of them's more of a site super, like, you know, field expert. And one of them's more, you know, he likes being in the office. And he's really good at processes and, you know, coming up with game plans. And so we just sat down together. We're like, okay, hey, clearly... You know, me doing, because I'm the problem most of the time, because I want <laughs> to like get things going. Okay, so so we got a new job. Now we have to do it the right way. We have to, you know, it's got to go on this. This, this is a process. We, we sat down and we made our, you know, we made all of our, um, you know, our processes. And we, and we talked about, um, you know, how we're going to build a house, how we're going to start a project, what we have to do to start project. And then I had to give one of those guys the job of you can't let me start this till you've got everything checked off. And it's your fault if that, <laughs> if that happens, because I'm going to start it. And so, um, and so that, that, I think that's how it happened is we were just kind of feeling like we could do better. Uh, you know, it sounds fun getting a project going and making the homeowners happy now, but you know, eventually if you don't have everything in place, you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to pay the price sooner or later. So that's how we did that. It's so smart though, because you know, we're, we're coming up on, let's see this, you know, March and March will be 11 years. We've been in business and, you know, this is something I definitely wish I'd have started sooner. I was speaking with an entrepreneur last week and the comment that he made, he said, it's lonely at the top in the sense that, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's, you're kind of on an Island, right? It can be really tough to, um, to make a lot of those decisions and you're making it by yourself because some decisions you can't involve everyone. But he said that, you know, in his company, that he had a leadership team and that was something we started about a year ago. You know, I had my builder 20 come out and one of the recommendations after they did the analysis of our company was put together a leadership team because probably similar to you, Dan, as you know, we, as owners, you, 
see this nice shiny object, right? That you're chasing and you're like, let's go get it. We can handle it. We'll figure it out. Uh, you know, with sometimes in the day to day, we're not doing all the day to day in some aspects of the company, some corner of the company. And so we're missing some of the key components there and, and you know, that how, how that can affect the morale and again, going back to the work-life balance of our team. And so that leadership team is really important that we have people in the field, people in the office, we, we, we run decisions by them. Um, you know, how has that benefited you just making decisions, just being more clear, even if you may know the answer, or has it ever changed your mind as you consult with your team and you're like, you know, if that's a point I didn't think of, let's pivot. Uh, well, yeah, multiple times, because I, I do think that even in the interview process of hiring new employees or meeting new clients, I, I'm pretty open with everybody that we meet here that it's not just me. You're going to get, um, you know, there's, you know, there's a team. And so I would say that from starting the jobs, you know, the leadership team would help me, you know, it has helped me decide that, you know, we can't go to certain towns. Okay. Like we, we've, we've dialed in our location. Because like it's just that shiny object, it can be, it's only, you know, it's only 45 minutes that way, but that's the wrong way for us. So we've, you know, like those guys help me, you know, stay true to our, the decision we made. So when we, when we talk about things, it's like, okay, we, we, you know, we've clearly decided we're not going to go build down there. So we have to say no to that or having people in the meetings when we're interviewing, we know clients are interviewing us or even um, new potential hires. I don't hire anybody without those two guys being in part of, part of the interview process. Um, because, you know, I think that there's, there's certain things that you miss. Um, uh, and just to be able to talk about that, like you said, it's lonely at the top, like I, and you, and potentially for me too, like when you, if you ever get to the situation where you're hiring somebody out of need, like you somebody right now to be able to be able to step back and to let that person leave the room and then talk to your, you know, the other people and, you know, as far as the interview process, like that, you know, make you see the stuff that you're probably missing. Um, so yeah, I mean, every aspect, I mean, from, from things that we've gotten involved with, like, I don't get, you know, I don't just get a project management program without, you know, having, you know, help. I don't try to, um, join, uh, EBA or something like that. If I don't think that they're going to, they're going to be a part of it and, and give me the commitment that they're going to take advantage of it. So, so when you get back, going back to the hiring, you mentioned that, um, that you are involved in your team. So what does that process look like? If you're hiring a new employee, are you interviewing together, separate interviews? What does it look to bring on and onboard a new employee? Well, at first I'll do the initial interview to make sure that I don't want to waste somebody's time for them to come in and meet them. Right. So I'll, I'll do like either a zoom call or they'll come in and you know, I'll, I'll obviously bed them to the point that I want to actually meet them. And then the second interview would be to come in with, with, uh, the three of us and my other guys have some questions that they've, you know, that they've, they come up with and they, they ask and, and, uh, and then, you know, the more you've done it too, like, so now we have like, you, you know, when you ask the same question a couple of times, start, start get some data on how they should answer. And then, uh, and then the third time, if we, if they move forward to that, we'll meet them at a site. So a couple of us, you know, probably not everybody, but a couple of us will go and we'll have that meet us at a job site, whether it's under construction and, and then you can really, you know, kind of quiz them and see what they know because, because, um, you know, you know, you get the plans out, you can quit, you can ask them what they see on the plans. You can see how they show up, how they, you know, what they're, you know, if they, they come ready with their, you know, if they're, um, 
PPEs, and so they're, um, you know, they're, they're they got a hard hat and they're ready to go to a job site. Then you, you know, you know that they've been there, done that, um, and then uh, spend up spend a half a day with them at a you know a couple job sites. Maybe go to lunch, and then I guess that's kind of how we that's how we get to the next phase of potential hiring somebody. We hire really slow. I'm I'm constantly interviewing, so if anybody you know reaches out, like I'm not going to say no just because I don't think I need a employee today. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that. You know, um, I mean, I'm going to try to meet them. I, I tell them that expectation that we're not actually hiring, but we'd love to, you know, things change quickly around this industry and that we like to keep that on file. If they if they want to go through a little bit of the process, then we're going to meet anybody who reaches out if they're qualified. Um, so I guess that's pretty much hire slow. Yeah, you just meet them a bunch of times because I've, I've done this a few times now. And <laughs> I need to make sure it's a good fit. It's, it's so important. So are. It, it- I, I love your process too of essentially the role play form, right? We, we've done the same thing. I know having spoken with interior designers, the ones that are really successful at hiring, you know, they'll have designers come in, um, essentially design for them. You know, they'll give them a theme, a topic, an assignment to some extent. Maybe it's there in person. Maybe to have a couple of days to be creative and come on in. And that's their interview process. I know when I was hired just out of college, kind of my interview process. I remember I was coming in and, and one of the big needs for the company I came in, they, they were looking for a scheduler. So we sat in the conference room and the owner said, okay, build me a schedule. So right there on cue, like I had to build, show that I could understand scheduling software. And I built the schedule. I was building it out, you know, and linking everything and, you know, for about 15, 20 minutes and, you know, I was hired. And so, um, I, I've taken the kind of that similar mindset too, that when we hire, you know, we're having them read through plans show that they can identify it, you know, do a field walk on the site. It's hugely important, especially the last hire we did. We took them through one of our projects. and um, But there's a fine line, too, as a business owner, because experience is so important that we're bringing them in. And with the complexity of homes you're doing, Dan, especially the building science, right, there has to be a pretty good understanding of construction and building science. H- how do you blend that? Because this is where many companies struggle is that you're now still trying to blend the company culture aspect. So how do you blend personality fit, you know, in comparison to experience? Well, I guess most of the time we're hiring for either a project manager or a site super. So if they are not experienced and they're just going into the site super role and they're going to get trained by the project manager and hopefully grow into that. And then we'll, we'll line them up with the uh, training techniques, the things that, you know, maybe those, those EBA courses, it's not just a conference, like you can take these classes all year long. Um, so they can, you know, they can, uh, Site, we sign them up, we'd sign them up for that. Uh, and a, but a site, but a project manager, like that's a hard job to hire for. I want that to be grown from within almost. It's almost like, you know, we, we're going to hire site supers and then hopefully they're going to be, you know, they're going to, we're going to train them up to be how project manager, how we want to, how we want to communicate with clients, how we, how we want them to inspect quality of work, um, all of that. And if it is coming in from a project management role, there have had another job doing it. Like, it's not like we're going to hire somebody to just make you a project manager. Like the, the last hire we got was somebody who'd been worked for a company way bigger than ours, like in done, you know, way, you know, more complicated projects and that we can make them that type of personal project manager. Other than that, they're going to grow into it. Now going back to the pre-construction side, um, how does the interior designer, do you work with one? How does that flow into kind of the net zero? You even mentioned that you've been looking at carbon, right? How does that work with just working with your designers in pre-construction? 
Well, our uh, interior designers or? Yeah, for interior design. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, from listening to this podcast and being a part of other builders, I mean, now it's it's one of the first things we bring up with a new client is that you have to hire an interior designer. So we have a list that's like, you know, you know, four or five people long that we're like, we work with these people. Like you have to at least interview, you know, and, and they all do different scope too. But so, and, and I'm, we're still, we're still, you know, new and, and young company. So I can't force them to hire like them, you know, that's maybe a certain interior designer, but like this, there's a range on this list of what you will get, but you have to hire somebody on this list or bring us somebody that you've, you know, maybe um, and, and then that starts right up front. I mean, I, it's like, you, we won't even give you a contract if you agree to, to doing that and interviewing interior designers. Um, and, and I think it's, it's from hearing that, but it's also experience. Like we've had homeowners that like want to be their own interior designer. And that's, you think when you're new, you're that that's great. I mean, you're probably going to be able to pick all this stuff out, no big deal, but these jobs are so hard and so complicated and the trades are they need so many answers. And so if you, you don't want your, I don't want my homeowner to have to deal with that, whether she's, you know, him or her are good at picking out things or not, they need somebody else to take a little bit of that burden off of them to make this enjoyable process. So that, that starts from Dave, that starts from before we even let them go to structural design. So if, a lot of times people come to us and they have their own design of a house or they're they're working on a design and so if we're in that early of a process then before it goes to structural you want the interior designer to review it go through everything so then we can have everything sent to our third-party rater it's our tech like a, you know energy logic to make sure that before it goes to structural they're reviewing the plans to make sure that we can get a heating system in this house and that we can um you know you know, you don't, you don't want to like go through all structurals and then you're trying to plan your mechanical system. So we want to have that thought going through there. Um, and so I guess that I, 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 um, I think that it's just from the ground up, we're constantly thinking of design mechanical systems and a pricing. So then we can get, we can have a successful kickoff, right? So that when we get structurals, I can price it out and it's not like, Oh, we're going back to the drawing board because we didn't tell them, you know, the range of the price that was high enough. So yeah, I guess that's it. It's, it's funny how those processes that you're building that even being a younger company, you're like, Hey, here's these designers you have to work with. We have a project now. And it was funny because there was a builder peer of mine who had started with this client. And of course they're not like you or I that has a policy. Hey, you got to work with interior design. And so over the pre-construction, you know, for six, seven months, they're working with this client and came to a point where it wasn't working relationships, fractured termination. They kind of fired each other in a way. And so this client comes to us, you know, and, and I, at the time I didn't know they had been working with a peer of mine, uh, but we're talking and they're just like, Hey Brad, we, you know, we want AFT to do build. And, you know, just like any client, we're kind of having that initial discussion. And when interior design come up, they're like, well, we hadn't really thought about that. What's the value. And we talked about the value and they end up hiring a designer. And what's interesting is that process now, the designer now is walking through coordinating selections so that we're planning, we're budgeting, you know, budget was really important to the client and now everything's planned before we break ground. And so the process has been great with the customer because all those steps are taken and the peer of mine had come to me later and asked how it was. And I'm like, it's going great. And I think the light bulb finally clicked for them that like, Hey, had I had a designer or a process here, we probably could have salvaged this project or relationship because 
just like our consultants, engineers, architects, designers. I mean, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle to make this a really successful experience. Yeah, I, I, I have every issue I have with budget or with with a pride project is probably because it wasn't planned out early enough. And so, you know, a budget, like I can, you could put an allowance all day lower cost plus, you know, you can put an allowance for cabinets, whatever, but if they haven't even thought about it, it could be not even close. You don't know if a client wants 50,000 or $150,000 a client in cabinets. And so, so, you know, and you're, I'm the one that looks bad if we don't do a good enough price. And, and even if it's an allowance, we highlight them blue, like on our budget spreadsheets, like these are allowances, you know, the, you know, we, we like are pretty clear about it, but it doesn't matter if it's that far off because I didn't know their, you know, their tastes or what they wanted. And so, so we're, um, you know, and, and I think like everything in this job is like, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're working on our problems today aren't because we messed up yesterday. It's because we messed up six, eight months ago and not set those expectations. Right. So, so, um, you know, we, we definitely haven't, we don't, we're currently working on jobs that have, you know, they all have interior designers, but you know, it wasn't like that's at the selling point, you know, when I got the job a year, half ago, <laughs> two years ago. So, so hopefully their future will be easier and less, less fixed because of that. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think the cabinetry is a good example because you may have an allowance and all of a sudden you get to cabinet drawings months into construction could be drywall possibly before you're getting this completed. And then you're having built-ins everywhere. Maybe some, you know, refrigerator drawers. And then maybe you have some outlets in the drawer, you know, where they're putting their blow dryer and stuff like that in the bathroom and all these different aspects. And you're like, okay, you're putting an ice maker. Well, I don't have plumbing there. And, and so it just adds so much complication. As you mentioned, most of the problems are because that planning didn't take place beforehand. When you look at not just design, but I think, I know some builders have really struggled to really be as adamant as you, Dan, to say, we're going to be doing high performance, net zero construction. And the reason being is because our engineers or our architect aren't on board or don't see the vision or don't understand it. How has that been partnering with consultants and professionals from architecture and engineering to line up with that value system you have? Well, uh, I think that the, the biggest structural component to this is maybe doing a thermal break and like a steel beam. And we just had a, we have a really complicated project with steel beams that go from outside to inside, back outside. And so you have to cut the steel beam, you have to put a thermal break in there and you have to put it back. And so if the steel guy is the steel engineer is not on board with that. Like that could be, if it's not designed like that, then we get the structural drawings and we're looking for these details and they're not there. That had, that was a problem, you know, in, in a, in a recent project. And so now after, after dealing with that, like that's another step where we got to go upstream a little bit more like, Hey, when you start designing this modern house, we need to have an engineer that understands these, these thermal breaks. And so, um, I think that's just, that's another like learning process because as you keep go like you're, you know, you keep going into this, you know, these EPA conferences and you keep learning, the more, you know, the, like the, this, like, you know, the steel beam became like our, in our you had to account for 800 square feet for this one steel beam of livable square feet for this one steel beam that went through the house. And in that house, there was eight of them. So if we didn't do this, there's no way our heating system would actually would perform our heating and cooling system would perform for this house. And so it's like, we have to stop the job until this 
in this in this piece of engineering is corrected and we can you know we, we already knew what we had to do because we've done it in the past and so it was just a different because because our one of our struggles is we're using a different architect and a different engineer virtually on every job because they just they come from us all different angles mm -hmm. um and so so we had to we could not you know we could not we couldn't let it go and so um anyway so i think that 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 is part of like maybe even continuing education with with who we recommend um, on future projects is that if we have this type of project like we have to use one of these engineers that already knows like that we're going to be doing this and we're not going to just you know uh, we had to hire a third engineer to do it because the engineer on file would not he wouldn't even listen to us he wouldn't even try so so um, that was pretty difficult and lost you know lost a month of, of schedule um, um, so um, that was yeah. I've always found it interesting, especially as you've worked with some of the engineers, because when you speak about the thermal break, yeah, I mean, not just from an energy transfer, energy loss, energy gain, but I mean, there could be condensation, moisture, especially where you're at. I mean, so you're dealing with a lot more than just energy from the condensation and moisture aspect you're integrating into the home, possibly. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that they would have just brought it right through. All of, all eight of them would have. <laughs> <laughs> So now, and then what's cool too is, and I think this is part of why I think you're, you're so cool. And that we look up to guys like you is that like, you can share this. Like it used to be like a big secret, right? That if, if I knew something, I don't want to tell anybody, but, but there was this awesome builder that's building across the street from uh, that project. And I was talking to him about it. And then, you know, pretty soon I get the text, Hey, can you send me a little more info? So we sent him all of the details and stuff, because it's the same thing that like, you know, I you say it all the time, like a right time it's the same thing but you know like that guy also has helped me on like maybe a trade partner here or there so so like having those good relationships with people and wanting to see that every house and, and, and builders getting a better reputation is important it's important to us and we can't build every house and so you know that type of information needs to be spread so that we can we can do a better job yeah and and what's interesting about that is i i found even with all the the drawbacks of social media and you know, information at our fingertips at the same point, you know, we're seeing customers way more savvy, way more educated coming in, as you mentioned for you, that understanding billing science, you know, they understand area barrier, right? They understand thermal break. And so it makes our process a little bit easier. And then you enhance it, as you mentioned, when you're giving them physical examples in the conference room and, you know, walking them through the process. And then they're seeing you already build this template and have a good understanding, which I'm sure gives them a lot of comfort on this large investment they're making. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, that that part of it is too. Like if they're, you know, they are everything's at their fingertips. You know, all this information. So you, we really have to know our stuff, and we have to, um, you know, we have to constantly keep learning as well. So, what keeps you up at night? Oh well, last night it was this podcast. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's different. Every day is different. You know, I I, I just I'm, I am a little bit of a worrywart anyway. So I do. Um, you know, I have to be pretty tired to go to sleep and it's not, I don't have to set an alarm. I wake up, you know, no matter what. Uh, so it, you know, I, I think just, just getting better and, and building an awesome company and having, you know, just, just keep getting to do what we get to do is, is my main focus. What's your biz biggest success that you've seen over the last few years? Uh, huh. I mean, I would say that our, uh, I just, the people around me, this is team, uh, you know, that's, 
just seeing how much we've grown and how much the better type of people that we're attracting, uh, and then which 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 will turn into better projects. So I, I would say that yeah, my team. Isn't it funny that you, I, I want to point that out that you mentioned that by having a good team, having good employees. You know, you you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you're investing in your employees, you're sending to conferences, right, networking. You're seeing the vision that essentially you you gave that nugget there that by doing that you're you're getting better projects and that's the vision right that the better your team is the, and and I've heard this so many times from collectively call it our network yeah. you know the architects the designers that refer builders yeah well, part of it is that they've had a good experience with them but the reason that good experience is because they had good people that they're working with right that are educated that understand the process that communicate well that and and there's a you know, one of our probably top architects in town, he always says, you know, the value of the builder is how good, his, you know, his or her superintendents are, right? As they look at that. And so it's funny that you say that having good people and investing systems is going to lead us to better projects, which that's the end goal. And a lot of us don't understand that there is an investment there, but it does lead to the, you know, that benefit at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can't even, I couldn't tell you how appreciative I am of the people that we have here and the relationships that we've, you know, made with them as employees, but as friends, as, you know, we're all, like we said, we're all going to go to, uh, you know, to Vegas and that, you know, to learn more and to the build, to the build show. And we're all like, we had so much fun last year. And so like it, we, we do some really fun events here in, uh, in golden, like we're at the city of golden, like right on the main drag. And so we have like gold, like this Saturday is like golden's and golden. So I have a, I have a golden retriever dog. So we're going to be bringing him down here, but we like, they, they shut down the street for Halloween and they do like, uh, you know, trick or treating for kids. And so like, you know, I invite, like, I just send it on our calendar. Like, Hey, it's three o'clock. They're closing down the street. We're all going to be here. And like our whole team was out front, handed out candy, the whole streets were full. So, I mean, I think that, um, you know, just, you know, doing things like that and building your, you know, your, your culture and, you know, you know, your company culture and your, your team just makes everything else, you know, because it's hard, like this job's pretty hard. So to be able to do those things and then just to make sure that, that you like everybody that works here and that everybody's getting along is, is pretty important. It makes every, everything else better when you do that. What are some of your goals? I mean, being that we're in January now for this year, what are, you know, projects you're hoping to close or start, you know, growth of the company? Well, our goals are, we have three projects that are going to be finished by the end of February. And so when those are done, our main goal is to basically do a case study on each one of those, where they went, where they went good, where they went wrong, what we learn. Uh, you know, you, you learn so much from every project and we haven't done this yet. We've talked about it. We've always talked about how oh, we're going to go through that, you know, that project, but you know, we have it on the calendar in March to sit down and go through with the project manager, with everybody that worked on the team, who was that interior designer, part of, you know, our team, is that somebody we're going to refer? Is that, um, you know, did those trade every single trade that worked on the project? Who's, you know, who had Morse callbacks? What, you know, we had dry, some, we had a bunch of drywall patches on one of them. Like, what was the problem? Is that project management? Was that owners changing their minds? Uh, everything. So, so, so our goal for the beginning of 2024 is case study on these couple projects to figure out how we can, how we can get better on the ones that are, because the rest of them are kind of like at framing or, or MEP stage. So we have a lot of time before we do this again. It's incredible. So what do you do for fun, Dan? 
Well, uh, I, you know, I work for fun. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I said some of that too, is like the, you know, all of the being involved in the community is, it, you know, in golden is, is fun for us. Like it's fun for my wife and I, and we, like I said, we do all those, those type of things. We love to, uh, you know, go camping and I like to paddleboard. I, I'm learning, trying to learn how to golf. My wife's already better than me. So I've got to, I've got to start <laughs> taking some lessons. Um, I've got to, uh, you know, I like, and I like, I like, I like racquetball. I don't know if I used to play a lot more than I do now, but, um, so I, I just like to do things that take my mind off of work a little bit, you know, get out, just whatever. And any advice that a mentor's given you that stuck out? Um, you get what you expect. So that, that goes for everything. You, you get what you expect. So I love, I love that. Uh, yeah. That's really good sound advice there. Well, Dan, you've been incredible, been excited. As I mentioned, it's been long overdue for, you know, the friendship we've had for a long time and so many introductions you made for me and the podcast and our audience here. So for those listening, what's upcoming and exciting and uh, where can they find you? Well, um, I th- uh, yeah, we're, uh, IBS is going to be pretty exciting for us. We're uh, we're all pre- you know everybody's talking about that all the time, so we're jacked about that. And you can find us on Instagram at Summit Ridge Custom Homes, and in our website is summitridgecustomhomes.com. It's pretty much the place to find us. Well, so, thank you so much, Brett. Like, yeah. really, thank you. I, I you were so amazing when we went to Scottsdale. You didn't even know who I was. You invited my team to go see your one of your projects. You took us to lunch. We got to meet, you know, we got to meet uh, Paul and we got to meet uh, Spencer yeah. and, and uh, another one. Um, I forgot his name. T- but we had to meet a bunch of your team. You were so cool. You didn't even know who I was. I was already a big fan. I'd already like signed up to go to the Contractor Coalition Summit. And the way you treated us was like, was just eye-opening. And I hope that when people, you know, ever come to Golden or like, you know, want us to you know, see what we do, I could do half is what you did for us. So thank you. You're, you know, you're an amazing guy. I appreciate that, Dan. That's, you know. I have good people. I mean, there's no way any of this would happen without our team. So we have an incredible team and I feel so fortunate for them. So, and again, great, great friends such as yourself that, you know, add to my education and experience. And that's why we do what we do. So yeah, you've been awesome, Dan. So thank you. All right, man. Have a good day. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.